Welcome to the Gangster Chronicles podcast, a production of iHeartRadio and Black Effect Podcast Network. Make sure you download the iHeart app and subscribe to the Gangster Chronicles. For my Apple users, hit the purple mic on your front screen, subscribe to the Gangster Chronicles, and leave a five-star rating and comment. Okay, G, this um, guest that we have on the day means so much to us. I'm not even going to do the normal intro on the show, man. One of my favorite rappers, if not my favorite rapper of all time, the DOC. Hey. Yeah, we got one of the greatest of all time on here, the DOC. What's happening with you, bro? Man, I'm too blessed to be stressed, can float. Uh, you know, out here on the West West working with my guys um, on some new material and really just blessed to be here. Shit makes me smile just hearing you say that. You know, 30 years ago, The Chronic came out. So to have y'all back together working on music, man. And when the first Chronic came out, I was 11 years old. And I, I, I'll never forget what it felt like. You know what I mean? So to hear, to see pictures of y'all in the studio creating hip hop, not abandoning the space. You know what I mean? Because I, I realize as you get older, you start to, you know, typically people are abandoning the space. And it's not fair because these white kids, they grew up to Aerosmith and they get Aerosmith their whole life. So why should I not get Doc, Dre, and Snoop my whole life? I feel like with all due respect, it's old to me. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. It's, hey, a it's a pocket that, uh, you know, some motherfuckers are comfortable in that pocket and you got to gotta ferret them too. You know what I mean? Like, uh, those are the those are the people you came to the party with. You got to think about them. Um, but, but, but being back in the lab with, with the dog and Dre, it, it really fits. It really feel like, like if, if if it wouldn't have been an interruption in the programming, it feel like this would have been Snoop's next step. That's what it sound like. You know what I mean, dude is elevating, and it's, I you know I don't want to get all up into it because you know how Dre is, but this shit is really good. No question, we already know it's brilliant. Um, it just warms my heart, man. And, and, and I don't want to focus on that, right? The new material, because the new material is going to be the, the exploration itself. And I, and I, I can't wait to see where y'all at, but um, just journeying back to the times that you guys united for small ideas, right? Whether it's boss's life, you know what I mean? Or that's that and certain ideas, you knew always what it could have been. And, you said something that, that kind of made me think like what would have happened if there were no interruptions at that time of the greatest renaissance in all of arts, you know what I'm saying? Right around the time of the chronic and doggy style, if there was no interruptions, but I feel the same way of the interruption of, you know, after no one does it better. No one, you know what I mean? It, it's, it's way too much power. You know what I mean? Like the things you guys were creating were, I've literally been on record explaining to uh, 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 somebody that has a, 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 a bachelor's in art why that is the greatest renaissance of all art, that era. Mm -hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? Because... Why they call it the golden era. You know yeah, I mean? yeah. And like y'all records are as popular as the Mona Lisa. That's really important. To re and, and it don't seem, and me and you have conversations and texts and ideas. And sometimes when I listen to you or Dre talk, when I talk to y'all separately, 
I don't think y'all see it that way. Like this shit is the Mona Lisa to the world mm-hmm. now. Like how it was to them then, that was they, like this is the Mona Lisa today. And look at Snoop, like, like yo, it's the Super Bowl. Like y'all took a culture of guys, right? Who was abandoned and you know, the world turned a back on and you culturally created a soundtrack to where people had insight, to where people could help or harm. Yeah, you know man. What I'm saying? So that type of artistic renaissance would never get the true credit. I mean, you can see now at this point, you know, the White House is entering it into, you know, whatever they little hall, they little off, they way behind, you know, they always behind. So they entering it into, you know, the records or whatever they call it. But it's hilarious to see such a, a renaissance you know, and it took so long for people to accept it at the highest level. But now when you, you know, again, like I say, four or five months ago, y'all at the Super Bowl. Yeah, bro, it's, it's, uh, it came a long way. You know what I mean? Um, but it's still, it's still a guarded space. You know what I mean? Like, uh, the gatekeepers are really high up. And it's really difficult to kick open doors. You know what I mean? Um. Uh, these days, but you got to keep pushing the line, you know what I mean? Because, I mean, if it ain't for us, who the fuck is it for, you know? Um, but being able to get back in the, in the situation where I can really put some energy into people that I love is, is always a beautiful thing. Because I've always felt like when, when they win, it's really the same as me winning, you know what I mean? So, it is, it is, it is. As I can get through it, I'm I'm cool with that. Yeah. And you know, Doc, I want to take it back to something you just said, and I think this is important, that this is ours. That's why it's important that you guys get together, whether it be every other decade, once a decade, or whatever, to do what y'all do, because it's almost like giving a reminder to the culture. Like, don't get it twisted. We still here and can smash y'all anytime we want to. And um, I want to get back to the beginning, because without the past, you don't have a future, right? I want to go back, and I've never heard this done before. One thing we like to do is have conversations versus doing interviews, because interviews to me is corny. It means you both think that way. We have to have a conversation with you. When did you first meet Dre? Uh, I met Dre in, in Dallas. Uh, he knew this dude named Dr. Rock. And uh, Dr. Rock was helping those guys. Uh, you know, blow blow they blow their music up, and whether it was uh, world class record crew or the, the real early NWA stuff, and it was the real early NWA stuff, namely Boys in the Hood, that brought brought those guys to Dallas, and uh, and me and Dre just kind of hit it off, you know, and uh, he said he's gonna pro- uh, produce some records for that guy that he knew. And uh, he ended up producing a few records for him. And we just, you know, struck up a friendship and it seemed like, I it seemed to seem like we just clicked, you know? And he was like, man, if you was on West Coast, we'd be rich. And I was like, shit, okay, let's go. You know, that sound good to me, you know? And uh, the rest is history. And so- better, better question, better question, big bro. What was the hip hop scene like in Dallas? Dallas is one of those places, you know, since I've been in the industry, I've been able to go there enough times, you know, shout out to all my good people in the Oak Cliff, you know what I mean? Straight up, the whole nine, but 
there's always been this burgeoning scene to me. Even right now, it's, they've always moved their own way. That's one of the few places to me culturally that has never been tapped. You know, you see a lot of people wearing shags. You see a lot of that style, the fashion, the get down. You know, you, you see the dancers. You see some parts of it. But Dallas as a whole, the culture has never been really given a proper shot. You know what I'm saying? What was the hip hop scene like in Dallas at that time? It was a lot like it is now. You know, uh, Dallas just, they, they haven't figured out that, that you can't make it by yourself. Like, like you have to have a, you have to have a community. You have to have a movement in order for things to move. There's not going to be just one guy that carries nothing or one group that does it and pops it. I'm doing this for the city. You can't by yourself. It's we got to do it for the city. You can't do it. Nigga, if I couldn't do it, it can't be done. Touche. I mean, when it breaks, but the cool part is they've always been in a really good spot because that was for one Texas full of really great musicians and really supremely talented artists. The motherfuckers are there. They just haven't figured out how to I listen, I listen to so much underground Dallas music right now. Um, and you're right. Like, I, I think about being a child. And then now, as I, you know, I've been, I, I get the blessing to be able to call you, call Drake, call Snoop, ask questions. But I'm thinking about it like you're right. When I think about what happened for L.A., it wasn't just N.W.A. It's Ice-T to some degree. So you have the, the things happening in the city, right, with Spade and T and, and all of the the rappers rap disco company, you know, you have the things happening, but then you have Compton's Most Wanted, Unknown, Ice-T, Unknown, N.W.A., you'll see, so you're right, it was a lot of different things, so I get exactly what you're saying when you say that. Uh, so if it was, was a moment in time, with the movement, with the kind of shows that I remember it was N.W.A., Ice-T, we're doing shows together way back when, it wasn't on West Coast per se on a national level. All these guys was together pushing the same way. And this is the home of gang banging. And it was blood niggas and Crips niggas all pushing the same line, try to get the movement started. I mean, um, they, they, they're not ready to do that in Dallas yet. They, they caught the ass end of the bang, the banging. So they only understand the killing part. They don't understand the, the building part. You know what I mean? They, you get some money and you don't want the other cat to have none. Like you're not, nobody's better than that like that. The money that will be coming in to serve you ain't gonna come because it's scared of you. Who, you know? if you had to pick one Dallas record, Right, and it's funny because I really want to talk about Dallas record. You had to pick what's your favorite Dallas record from a Dallas hip hop artist? Me, yeah, you, yeah, me. Oh, you said okay. his, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Still, give me a give me outside of outside of outside of uh, 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 OG, what's your favorite Dallas record? 
like there's a, there was a group when I first got to them, it was called uh, Genocide, right? Wow. A guy named 6'2 and a guy named L Dog. And they had an album called Waste of a Color. And it was, these was black gorillas, you know what I mean? But, and they was banging and then trapping or whatever you want to call it, but they had, they still had the black fist like you got, like that pick on your head, they still had that in their heart, you know what I mean? And so, even though the music was dirty, they had that underlying theme that pulled, pulled motherfuckers together. Um, and really outside of, you know, it's a lot of them down there, bro. Uh, a guy named Big Al, his son is named Rakim. I know that. And that's a really cool young dude from uh, from from Funky Town. That's dope as fuck. Uh, there's a, a trio of guys named get these boys name. It's a lot of them down there, man. They just old Dallas ass nigga. Old Dallas ass nigga. Old Dallas ass nigga by Tum Tum is my favorite non-DOC Dallas record. And it's crazy to me, right? Because it makes me feel like a Dallas nigga. Like when you find records, it's like, I could imagine how people felt when they first heard Straight Outta Compton. That's the vibes I get when I hear old Dallas ass nigga by Tum Tum. And it's crazy because you think of Earl Spence, right? He's having all his success as a boxer, you know? And you know, the, the, the Mavericks, you know, the success and, and, and that culture of Dallas is so gloat, like it's so national. You see a rappers from all around the country rock shags, like you see the effect. So I'm just hoping that eventually they figure it out. You know what I'm saying? Gotta crack, that, crack, gotta crack that book. But we are Southern city too, you know, like uh, Dallas, we ain't as progressive as a lot of other places in the country. So, you know, it's still locks on some of the doors down there and they haven't gotten into hip hop on a commercial level yet, you know. Um, but when I'm releasing this documentary, I'm hoping I'll be able to open a few of those kind of doors and and let folks in Dallas see that, that uh, it's money in hip hop and it's a way that we can go back in and maybe fix some of the problems we have in the community ourselves yeah. using hip hop as a tool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, um, I want to go back. Gee, you keep trying to take it to, to, to the now. I want to yeah. go back some more. Because I want to know how you was feeling, man. You know, you with NWA now, y'all took off, right? And I just came out here to California. So my arrival kind of coincided with what y'all releasing, right? Because I came out here in 87, late 87, right? And y'all had just started bubbling. I actually remember Easy and them selling them tapes and CDs up at the albums up at the Compton Swap Meet. Yeah. There wasn't no CDs back then. Yeah. It was cassettes and albums. Yeah. Real vinyl, right? Yeah. So I remember that. You know, I remember the moments. How did you feel, man, when all the stuff started happening, when the, when the, the police, when the government just really started attacking gangster rap? Did that scare you any? Not really, you know, because, uh, you know, I didn't know. We didn't know what the hell. You know, we was just making records, man. Like, uh, we didn't know they, they could come put us in jail or no shit. And I wasn't tripping on none of that shit. I was... I was really just working my ass off trying to get to my turn. You know what I mean? Like, 
Mm-hmm. I'd have ran through a wall with the motherfuckers just to get my turn. Yeah. <laughs> I feel you, man. And this leads up to my next question. Your first album, which for the sake of argument, could be one of the best albums in the history of hip hop. Yeah, I agree. Could be one of the I, I just want to know, do you remember, man, when you guys recorded the grand finale? Was y'all in the same room? Yeah, yeah. That was uh Everybody was there that day. I think mm-hmm. everybody was in the studio that day. That was the last song. It was right before it was going to do the Straight Outta Compton tour. And everybody was there. JJ Pad and um, Arabian Prince. Everybody was in there that day. And, and we just killed it, you know? Was y'all all writing y'all verses together? Like, I just pictured with Cube in one corner writing his verse. Was you over in another corner writing your verse? Yeah, I wrote uh, my verse and Easy's verse and, and laid them, but but Ren laid his. Then um, I laid mine, and Cube came late that day and laid his, and I laid Eric's. When I with Cube after Cube laid his, I went and wrote mine over. Oh, for real? <laughs> That's what I was going to ask you, dog. Did anybody write some verses over? Because you and Cube at that time, see, people, I think, see, these younger generation, they killed no Ice Cube as Craig from Friday, you know, you know, and all that other stuff. I remember Ice Cube, the bitch killer. That's Ice Cube I know. You know what I'm saying? That's Ice Cube I know. Vinnick yeah. Ice Cube. When y'all got in there, you remember how we used to watch karate movies when we was little? And you had Bruce Lee versus um like when Bruce Lee fought with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Everybody, yeah. that's what it was with you and Q. It was like yeah, seeing Kareem and Bruce Lee fight, and it was like, oh man, you kicked you know you kicked Cube in the chest. He got back up and kicked you in the chest, and it was just like, man, you those was definitely it was a rewind moment in hip hop. Yeah, man, we we was having a blast with that shit. We we was definitely fighting. You know what I mean? Uh, but that's how oh. it better. It was it was respect. It wasn't ego, you know. What I mean, I knew I couldn't. I couldn't compete with Cube. Like, what was? I just ain't got that that level of, of of bar. You know what I mean? To do gangster shit like that, it's not gonna come out. So I have to. I got. I gotta go out of my way to make my shit extra clever or funny or use some sort of cadence that they that they not with, just to stylize mine so I can compete with that dude. That's that's true greatness. But that's greatness though, because the way you came in, bro, with the swing and singing the brand new song to the rhythm to cover by the homie and it it was just like I was like, oh my god. What inspired y'all to do that posse cut? Was posse cuts a thing at that time? No, I think uh that's just because we was all together making making a record. Now we had did Parental discretion is advised on their record, which is basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then before that, when it was uh, the symphony, those those kind of records where the crews jump on and everybody do their thing was already already out there in space. And so, uh, but when we did mine, I was just happy we was at the last record. That's amazing. That's an amazing story. And, and it was the perfect album in many ways, man, because I remember driving from Los Angeles to New Mexico 
and we had that album on repeat. It was like literally like you know how the tapes used to just turn over back then. It was just on repeat, man. And and it was probably gee, I think it was the greatest album of all time, dog. Exhibit got a similar story, bro. Yeah. He said, uh <laughs> he said uh he was leaving Arizona, uh, going to the East Coast to get away from something. And all he had was no one could do it better on a walkman on a bus. He said he listened to that tape, the whole bus ride there, and he knew every freaking word, every motherfucking uh, syllable of that record. And and I respect that, man. I appreciate that because, you know I mean, I was trying to give everything I had in that moment of time. Here's a question. What, if you had to give credit to two MCs, that were the biggest inspiration of DOC style, right? Because I think your style is really hard. Like I can't compare it to anybody's that, and that's honest. Like I can hear where my stuff come from, but I can't hear where yours come from. What would the two MCs be that you would feel were, that you feel like you took that style and made yours? It's, it's really four of them. Uh, run. Slick Rick, KRS-One, and Rakim. All of those guys, I used a little bit of each one of those guys to build so, my... So the rhythm is just that Southern root. Some of it is. Yeah, because the way you would stylize the rhythms, like you never could hear. Like I would hear Rakim, yeah. I hear your stuff, and I couldn't, like the way you would slide on the record, like how I hear all my young partners be like, yeah, I'm sliding. I'm like, yeah, this is sliding. Yeah, you feel me? so you're like the first hip hop artist that was sliding on music like that. Everybody else was focused on the words or they flow margin to margin, but yours became like almost like it was a snake, like it could just do these weird kind of ins and outs. And that 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 album is not used enough by MCs right now. You know what I mean? And it's it's it, oh, it, it is, Joe. It, it is, G. I'm gonna tell you. The Midwest almost made a whole new subgenre just off of DOC style. Yeah. DOC is the precursor to Bone Thugs Harmony style. He's the precursor yeah. to Twister. He's yeah. the precursor to a whole bunch of guys. And the guys in the Midwest really gravitated to it. And I know that because I'm a Midwest dude. Yeah. Until you heard DOC, like you said, he wasn't going to march the march. He was almost stutter stepping like he was, you know, chopping his feet. I said, man, he was really doing, you know, he had a display of verbal gymnastics going on to where at that time it was unparalleled. What nobody yep. else rapping like that? That was stutter stepping. That's what that, that's what I that's what I termed it um, back in those days. But but it's really just an expansion of some technique that I heard a guy named Just Ice use. Oh, you know, I just expanded it and switched the cadence around during it. Like you. He did a thing called, he had a thing called, what was the name of that fucking record? I forget what the name of the record is. He said, looking at lyrics is what I do whenever I get excited. And so I just kept that going as long as I could do it. And you couldn't do it the same way. Otherwise, you wouldn't have the room to breathe. So it, it forced you to, to dance with it. You know what I mean? And then, then it kind of created, it created itself. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you know what I noticed, G? 
all of the greatest rappers would tell you that they're not the greatest. Like I said on here when I interviewed Starface, one of my favorites, right? He gave Cube the same admiration that you gave him. He said, when I said, Brad, you the baddest motherfucker ever when it comes to that gangsta stuff. He said, no, he got mad at me. No, don't say that. Cube. O'Shea Jackson, he's the greatest. And you just gave it up to him. So I guess Cube got to be, in some regards, between him and Snoop, as the greatest gangster rappers ever of all time. No question. No question yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, but you're talking, about, you're talking about two different categories of gangsters. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Like, like Cube is the concrete. Is the, is the black fish and, with attitude. Yeah, and Snoop is the... Is the uh, is the what they call it where where where, where uh, the Mac go and pick up all his his brows. <laughs> that's, that's Snoop. That's that's Snoop. Yeah, but it's yeah, but it's two different types of gangsters. Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. And 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 that's what people don't understand about this culture. Like it's been relegated to just violence versus the type of people I saw my whole life. You know what I mean? Where it, was, it just represented people that was going to earn their life and create a life better for themselves at all costs. And I hate it's been relegated to just ignorance and, and doing dope. It's just, it's yeah. way more than that. And so, uh, and I and I, I was blessed to grow up under the stuff y'all was doing. And I got to see all of it in the streets, through the music. You know, it wasn't just one type of gangster. It wasn't just some ignorant person just saying something. It was like, you could have Cube with that fist and that attitude, and I could have Doc with that pizzazz, and I could have Eric, and I could have Snoop, and you know, you could see that it could be so many different things. Um, yeah. It, but Cube was always a, so, Cube has always been a very thoughtful love uh, MC. Yeah, it's not. It's never just not nothing. Yeah, me it's right that wild shit. Yeah, it's a purpose for it, you know what I mean? And so that's the difference between what these niggas is doing now and what he was doing then. There was a, there was a purpose to it. He was trying to show you a better way, not the way. Yeah. Um, is there a moment, when was the moment, if, if there is one, when was the moment that you knew like, all right, this is going to be crazy? How how far was that alone in the journey from meeting Dre in Dallas to even Doggy Style? Where where in between that time did you know like, oh yeah, this is gonna be bigger than anything that's ever happened before? That's the question. Yeah, it shit it got big, big pretty fast, you know, like uh once you did. Once we did the We Want Easy record, it took about two weeks, man. And, and then, then that shit was everywhere. And, and you just knew, here we go. You know, that it was the first video they had shot. And uh, the world fell in love with that song. And it was really on after that. As, as far as myself, personally, when, when I did Doc and the Doctor, well, really, all those records, man, because it was it was twelve songs, I think, on that album. Only did thirteen records. That's Dre and I only did. We've only done thirteen records together. That's it. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, you really think about it. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, but look on that record. And so, but I did let the pace go. And Whirlwind Pyramid, six months before I even got to California. Um, before I moved back to California, I, I did those two records as demos and easies. Mother's Garage. And didn't come back to those to even touch them to put on a record until almost a year later. You know what I mean? And so oh, I kind of knew I was good, and me and Dre together was really good. But when I did Doc and the Doctor in the studio, bro, that shit was so loud. It was so noisy. I, I could just feel like, man, I'm, man, I'm fatty. Or I knew. I did that record because bass was the thing, in and when that motherfucker went boom, and this voice on top of that shit, you had to move the fuck out the way and let me do what I'm doing, man. Real. <laughs> you know, you just mentioned Easy E, man, and, and I swear Easy don't get enough credit for what he's done for hip hop. You know what I'm saying? I don't think Eric Wright get the justice. You know, he's done a lot of great stuff for a lot of people, just for hip hop in general, man. That's and right. um, right. How was it dealing with Eric, man? Because everybody I know that knew Easy E, they got a bunch of different stories. They say he's one of the funniest people he ever met, man. Who ever met? And they said that Easy would do stuff just to freak you out. What was the craziest thing you ever saw Easy do, dog? Uh, Eric was a good dude, man. Eric was a good guy. He was a. Uh no nonsense about his business you know what i'm saying and he had his business um and was blessed i mean it's probably like it is this dude was blessed enough to pull three or four of some of the best that the west would produce and put them cats in the same room together to make a record and that's a blessing. Nobody's been able to do nothing like that since. And he was blessed enough to have a, a, for Dre to be in his corner like that. Because Dre is the cornerstone to all of this shit. Like, Every time. None of it exists without that dude. It all goes through his blessing. You know what I mean? We got blessed because he got a gift. And so Easy was blessed enough to have that guy on his team and, and, and have Cube on his team and have DOC on his team and have Rand on his team. Like, you can't lose like that. I mean, you got, the, you got everything. Mm -hmm. Now, fast forward it to the documentary, uh, The Doc, right? I, I remember when y'all was working on it. I came to Snoop Studio and y'all was uh, shooting ideas. Um, if there was something that was tough to revisit when y'all was working on the, the doc documentary, what was the toughest thing to revisit about that whole journey, your whole journey period so far? Man, look, none of that shit was tough to let go of. I, I, was, I was thanking God to be able to let go of that goddamn pain. I didn't want it no more. I'm tired of suffering behind that shit. I'm, I'm ready to let that shit go. And really, that's what that's what the documentary is showing. You seeing a, a old ass nigga heal in front of the whole world 
and it's dope as fuck. You know what I mean? And I still got battles to, to fight within this industry because I'm a maverick. You know what I mean? I don't belong to nobody. And so I'm not kissing nobody motherfucking ass to do nothing. I'm going to let G.O.D. drive this car. And, I, and wherever he driving, that's where I'm going. Because the only reason they putting me back in the light is because it's something he want me to do. And so I'm doing that. Fuck all that other shit. I feel you, man. I feel you got to so be that way. The, the whole journey of this documentary, it actually ended up becoming healing for you. That's the that's the reality of it. Yeah. Yeah, man. I'm excited I, to see it, man. I didn't see, I got offered to see parts as y'all was working on. I'm like, nah, I need to see it all together. It's like hearing, like hearing a song. You can never really get it. Like I needed to hear no one does it better. And, and it's, it is weird because I was on still about this and I emailed Dre about this. Like we don't do a great enough job, you know, especially around Dr. Dre's brilliance and production of celebrating all of these artistic contributions. Mm-hmm. Um, this documentary, I'm sure, you know, it's going to be stellar. People going to lose their mind. But I think it's time to start having those conversations about those albums. No one, no one does it better. Uh, Doggy style, the chronic. These are the documentaries. We're, we're, we're not doing a great job of presenting. Like we get mad at all. The, I tell um Snoop, I remember talking to Snoop and telling him, like, y'all so mad that we don't know nothing, but y'all don't tell us nothing. Like, if I didn't have Olivia, rest in, rest in peace, my mom, I wouldn't know who Doc is. I mean, she gave me the, she's like, yo, listen to this. This dude is it. So if I'm not passing on y'all experiences, you know, I have to pass on y'all experiences to all my young homies. Like, whether it be Kendrick, I'm telling him stuff about y'all that he didn't know. You know, so I, I think we have to do a lot better. So that's why I'm really glad you got, you sat down and found space to do this documentary because people need to know what, you, what you've what you been through and what actually they can do. If, if you see what somebody can do, that's the easiest way to aspire. They, they can see it, you know what I'm saying? Well, I tell you, I tell them like this. It's, it's, I'm thankful and grateful for it, no question about it, but it's a G.O.D. thing. It's not a D.O.C. thing. And, and my mission is different from these other guys. He went back out. He had come back on. Yeah. Probably got a phone call in. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. So yeah. my mission is different from these guys, bro. Like, I might face uh, a harder way in because it's God shit, you know, and the world is still the world, you know what I mean? And the, 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 the gatekeepers are high up in the air, but I'm a believer, my nigga G.O.D. said you, you're gonna give it to him, so I've not already made the art, and it hasn't found a home yet, right? But every single person that has seen this film Loses you right, lose their fucking mind over it. They do. Yeah. I, I was in, I was in Tribeca, and out of two hundred movies, motherfuckers wrote that mine is in the top ten of two hundred films. My first shot at right? is that really surprising though, Doc? Like, yeah, that shouldn't be a surprise, Doc. Like when do when well, do you when do you realize 
is in you. It's certain, yeah. and it's fair because you are so. I feel, I feel like the way about Magic Johnson, where you knew what it was when you saw it, but you didn't get yeah, to right. see the whole progression of it. Yeah, right. So, again, your storytelling ability was never limited to what you could write and recite through the microphone. It's also what you could tell people. The three conversations I've had with you on just record writing has been just instrumental. Like it's it's important. So I, I really want you to keep pursuing this space of film. You know what I mean? And the doc documentary. No one does it better. Like. These are important things for people to know your journey and also for you to keep artistically contributing. You know what I'm saying? Like, because you're just as important as, I mean, I don't got to tell you because you know you're just as important to every project. All of these projects. Without them, kind of, they lose something that's really artistically brilliant. Yeah, and one thing to land on that, I want to land on something you just said, G, and this is the one thing that ticks me, pisses me off about the industry, period. Somebody in one of these buildings should have been when he just cut this man a check and said, hey, we want you to run our whole rap department. It just makes too much sense, right? It's just too much like, right, you know what I'm saying? To where our artists, man, and that's what pisses me off. It's like, we almost had a date from the time we come into the game, they put an expiration date on this. They say, okay, at this time, he's over with. And they stop dealing with it when that's not the case. Because he's still as brilliant, probably more brilliant now. You're probably more brilliant now than you were when you were in your twenties, I assume, right? Not more, not more understanding, bro. Not more understanding. I, I realize I got I got less days in, in front of me than I do behind. But legacy is what I'm on right now, right? And so, what can I do that when I live, when I'm gone, I just motherfucker they'll say that this nigga he did that and. It's not about rap music, it's about black music. And I, I, I use that term loosely um, because what I really mean is unification of my people, right? To, to help these young boys in the hood understand that killing each other ain't the lit. Like, I want you to get that money. I want you to have it by any means necessary. But I want you to, at least, at least if you point to that, at your brother, put that gun down. Now you hold on to it because you might need it, you know, uh, but all that killing each other, that's some bullshit. And we got to deal with that shit by any means. And I mean really? that shit like, and so that, that's what my heart at. And I got GLD behind me. So we, we, I'm going to take this documentary and this message. And if I got to go sell 20 million tickets, walking all over the world to make my $20 million, I'll do it like that. Oh no! Take this message to, mm -hmm. to the hood and make it do what it do. No. Did you have a um, expected release date for the documentary? Don't have a home yet. You know, Are I you got. Serious? A, you know, you go. To, huh? Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. You go to drop back up to uh, you know, to premiere the film, and then they they all get together in rooms and figure out. You know, who's going to be the, the domestic partner in streaming? Who's going to be the theatrical partner? Well, and so some folks have come to, to the table with, with offers of theatrical worldwide, uh, which is not a bad deal. And um, some folks come with, with domestic um, theatrical. And so 
uh, you know, it's going slow. Maybe they were slow walking me because they think I'm going to get nervous and beg for something, but I'm not begging for shit because the movie ain't mine anyway. It's God. So whatever he wants to come to here. Exactly. And I don't give a damn where it, where it comes from because I know who's sending it. You know what I mean? Exactly, I'm, man. I'm so excited about that doc. Um, are you aware of safety? Yeah, yeah. I already know. I already know the people that was working on it. They was, people that was working on it was fired up, so I knew it was going to be special. And they called me because I had an hour-long conversation with somebody specifically about you. So when they started to work, they couldn't wait to call me and tell me. So um, <laughs> it's it's important um, um Man, that I'm, I'm so glad that you are consistently pursuing uh, uh, giving up content. You know what I mean? Not being limited by whatever's happened in the past and understanding there's so many more ways, man. There's so many more ways. And your messaging, we talked about that privately over the phone about where you at with the violence. You know what I mean? So you have a lot of work to do. There's so many ways to do it now more than ever. It's, it's, it's a real... Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly so, right. Exactly. So before we go, DOC, because I appreciate you, you know, taking time out your schedule to sit down with us. I want to ask you one more question. This is just for me from a fan standpoint. Where was you at when you first heard no Vaseline? <laughs> I was know there's an actress. Her name is uh Regina King. My favorite I was Regina King. Out. Yeah. And man, I was over there with, with her and some friends of hers, and they must have just hit the flow. They loved every minute of that shit. <laughs> in that moment of time, I was in that moment of time, I was so happy that Cube let me breathe. You know what I mean? Because he cleaned the house. <laughs> the chickens came home to roost with that one, man. I don't know, God, that. I don't know, Doc. I think if he'd have put you in there, I think you would have had something for him. <laughs> nah, that would have been like, that would have been too much like pushing down a handicapped kid, man. You can't do that. <laughs> it wasn't like that. Man. He'd have been a bully. You can't beat up Doc, man. He can't fight back. <laughs> but he knew that he knew that anything I was doing over there, I was doing because that was my job. You know, I'm I love Cube. I always have. I always respected him. It's always been a like when you see the documentary. One thing about this documentary, bro. Cube, Dre, Snoop, Badu, M, all these people. It's how they talk, like, like how they look, talking like you have never seen Dre. You ain't never seen Dre like this, bro. You ain't, you just, you've never seen Dr. Dre act like this on camera. You just, you don't see a, a billionaire. You just see a nigga that loves his brother. You know what I mean? You don't, same thing with Snoop and Q. You don't see these icons. You just see niggas who love their nigga. You know what I mean? It, it ain't about them. They like, man, look. You know what I mean? And Badu, there's a couple of scenes in there that Badu have. That'll make you your bump stand up on your arm the way she talked to the nigga man. It's, I showed you every example of black love that exists 
on this planet in that hour and a half between mother and father, brother and sister, friends, lovers, co-parents, man and wife. I give you everything on a positive level and I don't say nothing negative about none of them niggas. I give up all of my dirt though. Every funky shit stain in my drawers is out there because I really don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? Like, I had to walk that path, but you know what? I'm still here and I'm still standing strong and I'm still not selling out and the woods can't bend me and the niggas can't break me. So, you know what I mean? Only thing left for God to get God the glory and go get his money. For sure, and this gonna happen for you, man. And anything we can do over here, man, the digital soapbox to help you with that, man, we got you. I appreciate you. It's sure coming, man. We go. We gonna sit down. I'm, sure I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get on your line, and we gonna have a real hip hop conversation. See, this right here was more about Doc, but the things I know you know about hip hop from your perspective will be a much more intriguing conversation. So I look forward to always politicking with you, OG. You, you wanted to be one of the greatest with one fucking album. One, you feel me? Up and can focus one love on mine, for real. Yes, sir. For sure, man, we appreciate you, man. And when I say we appreciate you, I don't mean lightly. We really appreciate you, man. Not, not, not that crap ass right way in the interview, but like the real, mm -hmm. and you yeah, know. We really appreciate is, you, bro. Cause your album took me through a lot of times. I feel like I became a grown man listening to your album, and that's me being real. <laughs> me too. Yeah. That, 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 that was my soundtrack. God bless. Are we are we out of here. Well, that concludes another episode of the Gangster Chronicles podcast. Be sure to download the iHeart app and subscribe to the Gangster Chronicles podcast. For Apple users, find that purple mic on the front screen of your phone, subscribe to the show, leave a comment, and a rating. Executive producers for the Gangster Chronicles are Norm Steele, James McDonald, and Aaron MC8 Taylor. Our visual media director is Brian Wyatt. The show's audio editor is Taylor Hayes. The Gangster Chronicles is a production of the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartMedia. Any questions or comments, hit us up at the Gangster Chronicles Podcast at gmail.com. Peace. Be safe out there. AT&T connects and old to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Pitbull. I think that education is the real revolution because as much as we speak about all the problems that there is in society and in the world today, my mother's always told me, son, don't worry, the world's always been coming to an end. Don't let it scare you out of living. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything, that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these moments. Their stories are full of candor and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right. 